Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of CT of the acute abdomen, looking at the GU tract. And I left you with the question before that if a patient has hematuria and you had these two images, what would you do? And the point I wanted to make was that when you're doing hematuria, rule out stone disease, and you see no stones, it doesn't mean the patient has a normal study. It means there's no stone disease. And you need to be very careful because often I think in the ER setting, people will just let the patient go. Now, if a patient has microscopic hematuria, perhaps they pass the stone, but I tell you, you got to be very careful. And surely with macroscopic hematuria, there could be up to a 40% chance the patient has a tumor. So you look at this case, and you don't really see anything. And, I'm, and I'll give you the left kidney. Look at the right kidney. I know you see a cyst, but look toward the lower pole medially. And when you give IV contrast, look at what you missed. You missed this very large AV malformation that was the cause of bleeding. Now, you're just not going to see these vascular lesions without IV contrast. And you can see it on the axials, and you see it on the coronals. And I'll put the images side by side. Yes, maybe in retrospect, you should have recognized that bump. But look how obvious it is with the contrast. And of course, here's some more CT angiograms. And although renal AV malformations are somewhat rare, they're not that uncommon. And we've seen a number of cases. Hematuria is the major and most common symptom. And that's often where the patients present. But unless you're careful, it's very easy to miss them. Okay? And again, this article by uh, Cara Fellow makes the point that their incidence may be underestimated because many patients are asymptomatic. We had this case the other week. Look at this example. I noticed it was non-contrast, but something was wrong. The pelvises look so full. And look at the renal veins. What's going on? Look at those non-contrast. And let me go ahead and give you the delayed phase. If you only did delayed phase, renal veins are full, but there's not renal vein thrombosis. The hilum of the kidneys are full. Are we dealing with masses here? Here it is coronal. Kidneys do excrete normally, but what are those soft tissue masses? Very interesting case. Well, look what happens 30 seconds earlier. What you're dealing with are large bilateral AV malformations. Arterial phase imaging with significant shunting into the renal veins beautifully shown on the 3D images. I shot a million images on this case because I liked it so much. Look at the size and look at those renal veins and look at the AV shunting, the early filling of the IVC. Beautifully shown, whether it's volume rendering or it's volume rendering in MIP. Again, very, very important diagnosis. As long as I'm speaking about vascular processes, let me mention renal vein thrombosis. We don't see this as commonly now. Now, often with renal vein thrombosis, it's a patient with a renal cell cancer where there's tumor thrombus in the vein. But there's many causes from nephrotic syndrome to hypercoagulability states to polycythemia vera to trauma. Classic findings, you see a thrombus in the vein. Kidney may be enlarged, particularly with acute renal vein thrombosis. With chronic, the kidney may be small. You may see persistent and prolonged cortical measure differentiation. Often see thickening of the renal fascia and stranding in the perirenal space. And here's just a nice example, non-contrast, contrast. Look at that huge renal vein thrombosis in that patient going all the way into the IVC. The left kidney is larger. Look how the cortical medullary interface has persisted so nicely. That is a classic renal vein thrombosis. Or this case, the patient had it right in nephrectomy, now had some uh, hematuria. Look at the thrombus in the patient's left renal vein. Beautiful example. Look at the extent of that thrombus. Not a good thing when you have one kidney. This patient will be treated 
with uh, anticoagulant therapy. Now, when we talk about renal pathology and vascular, you need to speak about renal infarcts. They can be due to trauma, embolism, arterial thrombosis, vasculitis, acute renal vein thrombosis. There are many causes for infarction. Now, in terms of appearance, they can be segmental or global. More commonly, they're segmental. It can be part of an isolated event or be part of a multi-system process, patient with vasculitis. Multiple organ systems may be involved, for example. You can have acute infarcts, you can have chronic infarcts, you can have them together. The symptoms are variable from acute flank pain, simulating stone disease or acute polynephritis, to fever that's unexplained, to hematuria. Now what are the CT findings? Well, first of all, is it focal or is it global? Is it unilateral or bilateral? the cause will often define how the appearance may be. We talk about when there's global infarction of a cortical rim sign, that's where you have capsular vessels that enhance the kidney, but the main vessel does not, so cortical rim sign. And chronic renal infarction may simply have the appearance of a small atrophic kidney. Now here's a nice example, look at the right kidney, look at the lack of cortical medullary interface, but also look how the interior of the kidney has really decreased attenuation, which you can see here as well. This is the classic appearance of a renal infarct. And you can see when you look hard in this first image, not only do you see a renal infarct, but you see thrombus in the patient's renal artery. And you can see that again here as well. Now infarcts are very sharply marginated because they track a vessel and the extent of that vessel. So the multiple renal arteries, each will have its own territory. And you see very nicely at the arrows, the infarct as well as the thrombus in the vessel. There's another case with a fairly extensive, almost a global left renal infarct. And you can see there's some perfusion lower pole of the kidney, very nice appearance. Here's a few more images showing how extensive it was. And in this case, we found several things. One is the patient had a malignant configuration of the coronary arteries with the right coronary arising up the left cusp. But what was the acute process here was the patient has thrombus in the atrial appendage, and that was what was seeding the patient's renal infarcts. Now we can see renal infarcts as another example due to renal artery occlusion. It can be segmental, it can be global, it can be potentially reversible, as in this case, or non-reversible. Here, this is a patient who had aortic aneurysm repair. They had difficulty reimplanting the left renal artery, and sure enough, the kidneys infarcted. Beautiful example, however, of that um, sign, that cortical rim sign, which means you have vessels to the periphery of the kidney, but the kidney's gone. So there's no saving this kidney, unfortunately. Here's a CTA from that patient. No left renal artery, the kidney was infarcted. And here it is again on the coronal views. Very, very nice example. Now I mentioned you can have multiple things, multiple organs with infarcts. So in this case, we see very nicely splenic infarcts. We also see multiple renal infarcts in both the right as well as left kidney. And here's some more examples of the splenic infarcts. Infarcts can be multiple and bilateral and involve multiple organs. Here, mainly the left kidney, but the right's involved, and multiple splenic infarcts very nicely seen. Now, if I track down a little bit in the acute abdomen for GU, you get down to the bladder, 
and we come back with emphyseminous cystitis, which is a rare complication of urinary tract infection. It's characterized by spontaneous gas formation in the bladder due to bacterial fermentation. The majority of patients, just like emphyseminous polynephritis, are diabetics, and there's a higher incidence in female. It's a rare entity, but very, very important. Uh, it used to be felt that surgery was mandatory. Now a conservative approach can also be helpful. Now, in most cases, it's very easy to make the diagnosis. In some cases, like this one, we see a thickened bladder wall. There's a Foley catheter. Are we looking at some clot in the bladder? But if you start looking very carefully, you recognize that that air is in the bladder wall. It has these little cystic spaces, and you can see it very nicely there on the axial as well as very nicely there in the coronal view. So sometimes it can be tricky, long windows can be helpful, but usually it's not going to be a problem. Sometimes it can almost be a problem when the bladder's collapsed. You can see the air in the bladder wall. You almost wonder sometimes you're dealing with partial averaging from small bowel that sits on bladder. But again, looking very carefully, you can make the diagnosis, in this case very nicely. And of course, this is a very impressive one where potentially you can miss it only because the contrast in the bladder is so dense and you don't appreciate that you're looking at air in the bladder wall and not looking at beam hardening artifact. But you can see how extensive it is, and this is a classic case of emphysema cystitis. Just a beautiful example. Now there are other things in terms of the bladder and the acute abdomen, and one of them relates to this case. When I start analyzing this case, I notice bladder wall thickening, perhaps there's inflammation, perhaps there's carcinoma. But what you can see then is you can see there's some air tracking from the bladder, and you can see it's tracking superiorly. And if I look at this image, I could say maybe I'm dealing with a big bladder cancer. But when I look at the sagittal views, I realize I'm dealing with a fistulous tract between the anterior bladder wall and the sigmoid colon. And what I'm dealing with is an enterovesical fistula. The number one cause of enterovesical fistula is diverticulitis. It's usually on the left side, anterior. Number two causes Crohn's disease, anterior on the right side. Now, sometimes you see the bladder wall thickening. You can be confused. You can say, wait a minute, the patient has a colon cancer, was fistulized, or a bladder cancer, which grew up. But when you look at all of the images, and the 3Ds are particularly helpful, you've got to be thinking about enterovesical fistula, which is usually inflammatory, most commonly due to diverticulitis. You can always scope the patient, do a biopsy if you had a high suspicion based on the imaging. But you can see from the images I create, you really get a very nice look at that fistulous tract. And again, the way we evaluate these patients is you have two possibilities. You don't do both. You either put contrast in the bladder with a CT cystogram or you give rectal contrast. That really allows you to see the fistulous tract well. Giving PO contrast and IV contrast is what you don't want to do. And here was a recent case. Look how inflamed the sigmoid colon was. So very easy to read this as diverticulitis with some local inflammation and possibly some nodes. But when you scan a little bit lower, you notice that the bladder on the left side anterior, the wall is thickened. There's increased density. Something's going on there. It almost looks like a tumor. But when you look at all of the images, what you're dealing with, quite frankly, is you're dealing with a fistulous tract which goes from the patient's bladder to bowel. This is an enterovesical fistula, which was secondary to the number one cause, diverticulitis. You can see when I play around with the images on the oblique planes, it becomes much more obvious what we're dealing with. So again, it's a very, very important diagnosis. 
Now, another thing in terms of the bladder we talk about is bladder cancer. Now, bladder cancer, typically, when we do CT for bladder cancer, it's someone who says, patient has bladder cancer, please stage. But we can incidentally detect bladder cancer, and it can be a very important finding. It surely can be the cause of hematuria. This is a very simple case to show you a large bladder mass and to show you bladder cancers do enhance up to about 100 normally. And in this case, whether it's the early or late phase, it's very easy to recognize a tumor, nothing very tricky. The coronals and the sagittals can be used as well. But what else can we see? This patient with abdominal pain and pelvic pain, there's diffuse thickening of the anterior bladder wall, which is growing forward anteriorly which is nicely shown in the sagittal view. It's just a beautiful example, okay? That was a bladder cancer. In fact, it was urachal carcinoma, classic location for urachal carcinoma. Or in this case, you can see very nicely, uh, when you're looking at the bladder, there's that patient's tumor. Again, so just really looking at things makes the ability to see the tumor very easy. Now, these are relatively big processes. What about small bladder cancers? Now, this may be a totally incidental finding in the patient with an acute abdomen, but you have to look. When you're doing arterial phase imaging, it's very, very common, or not uncommon, to be able to see small bladder lesions. And here's just a wonderful example. Look at the left UV junction. There's a small lesion present. Let me enhance it and circle it. That's a bladder cancer. Here's another example. If you see an enhancing lesion in the bladder wall, I know potentially it's a differential diagnosis and there's all sorts of infection and inflammation, but it's bladder cancer until proven otherwise. An article a few years back made the point that bladder cancers uh, do enhance slightly, best seen about 60 seconds post-injection, uh, but our experience is early phase imaging in a distended bladder is key. Or this example, look at the lesion in the posterior bladder wall. This is actively bleeding. Look at the lesion. It's actively bleeding, very nicely shown. And look at the clot within the bladder. Again, very, very important to look carefully. You can see here, once you have the positive contrast on board, it can be tricky. That's why with neutral contrast, early phase imaging, it's very easy to see, in this case, that active bleed. So indeed becomes very important. Finally, we often see the bladder in the uh, opacified state. Uh, here's a patient with prostate cancer. There's some bladder wall thickening. There was a question of prostate versus bladder or both. And at times, it can be very tricky. Um, so you want to be really careful when you're looking at those cases. Now here's another example. Again, when you have a, a large prostate, or you have a large prostate and a clot in the bladder, it can really look aggressive when you do the 3Ds. So you need to be very, very careful. And blood clots, as we know, whether it's in the ureter, in the renal pelvis, or in the bladder, can be somewhat tricky. Now, let me mention also uh, the prostate. We don't see many prostate abscesses, but occasionally we do. They're low density, somewhat cystic. If you see a low density in the prostate, you better be thinking about prostate abscess. I mentioned before the last thing I would speak about was the female pelvis, and let's take a look at that. CT with multiplanar reconstruction works very nicely in this regard, and there are a number of different possibilities. When we talk about right lower quadrant, here's a list, but from the female patient, ovarian torsion, cyst, ectopic pregnancy, PID, are all possibilities. When you look at this article by Pooler, and I mentioned this in my GI talk, 
which looks at the success of CT for appendicitis. CT was very good, but only about a quarter of the patients ended up having appendicitis. Often the patients had other findings in about three quarters of the cases. And in female case patients, the alternative was often adnexal processes. So again, you gotta be thinking about that. So what do we think of? Tubal ovarian abscesses, of course I would agree, do OB ultrasound. But often it's an abdominal pain, you don't know what's going on. What you see is a thick-walled mass in the adnexal region, often with fluid attenuation. You may see septations. You may see enhancement. You may see indistinct borders. You may see anterior displacement of the mesosalpinx, and you even may see air bubbles. Here's how it looks. There's a young patient. There's a big cystic lesion with tubular structures. You look at the coronal view. This is PID. Okay, older patient, you might think of uh, cystic adenocarcinoma, maybe, perhaps. Another patient, cystic, enhancing, anexa, well-defined, it's just not going to be a problem. Now, sometimes the cystic lesions can be problematic in that we see them, but we don't know what they are. This patient has pelvic pain, increasing abdominal pain. We gave rectal contrast, the question was bowel obstruction. But look at this cystic mass, it looks like PID, but patient had no history to suggest that or cultures. And what you're dealing with here is endometriosis. We often talk about small endometriomas causing implants on bladder and ureter and colon, but this is a large mass. This is endometriosis, which was causing the patient's symptoms. Um, and again, very easy to recognize on CT, the extent very easy to see. We talk about post-operative patients across the board. We often think about why the patient in the post-op period could have symptoms, but in this case, this patient had surgery on the right ovary and now had bleeding. Well, look at the CT. Because we did with arterial phase imaging, look how bright the lesion is. You're talking about a bleed in the right ovary. This was eventually embolized, but look how nicely you can see the feeding vessel going right to the bleed. Just a very, very nice example. So CT is a real problem solver, but again, you gotta do the studies correctly. And there it is again, okay? So, in summarizing then, when you think about all of the possibilities that we spoke about in the GU track, recognizing the issues with healthcare costs, recognizing that we want to decrease or minimize dose, it's this idea about weighing the benefits and risks as this article does mention. And again, hopefully I've showed you over the past two lectures how important CT is in arriving at the correct diagnosis and doing it in a very, very cost-effective management way. So when you conclude then, CT is the study of choice. In many cases of the acute abdomen, not everyone needs a CT scan, but when you do, it's impressive, the results. Again, changing management in half the patients, and particularly good in the GU setting. When used correctly, it plays a major role in patient management and triage, which is so important in the ER setting. We do have challenges in the ER. Often we don't have a great history. Often the studies aren't protocoled correctly, but we are getting better at that. And so GU, you gotta think about the adrenals, you gotta think about the kidneys and ureter and bladder and the pelvic organs. And with that, have a great day.